What we're going to do today is we're going to continue on in our series in Galatians. We have four more sermons left in in Galatians. We started right after Christmas, and we're coming through to the end of Galatians. And, uh, And so that is how we get to push forward. And it's really, really cool because what we've seen in Galatians is we've, is we've seen the story of a young church that was given a mandate. It was a mandate to, to, you know, believe in Jesus, to be accepted into the great promises of God, and to move forward with the mission. And what happened was we had a group of traditional people from the traditional way of knowing the promises of God, and they were like, oh, but you're doing it wrong. It's nice that you have Jesus, but you need all of these other things. You have to follow our law. And Paul very quickly steps in and says, that's not what works. And so we have... um, we have this passage here that's really talking now about some of the tension that we spoke about in last week's forum. If you missed it, definitely watch it. It was a great discussion that we had about, um, about the book of Galatians, and this week we're just going to continue on. So let me read Galatians five sixteen to 21. Because in here, so many people who want to impose rules onto others Find their justification, and you'll see why as we read it. Galatians 5, 16 to 21 says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do, But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Let me uh, pray. God, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your love. And Jesus, we come to this list of what appears on the surface as a bunch of do-nots. And even in depth, there's still do-nots. God, I pray that we would be able to see it in the context of your work, in the context of your story, in the context of your faithfulness, in the context of your work inside of us, bringing your goals to fruition. And Jesus, I pray that you would speak clearly in today's message, that you would be transforming our hearts to become more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So you're right, I did not use any sunscreen and I got that from our Slack comments and again I want to encourage you to be on Slack communicating with each other and communicating with me in the message because we'll totally engage with it as we go and so definitely let me know. If you are not on Slack, there's a spot in promisechurch.community that you can go down to today's message. You'll see the sermon notes for today and you'll also have a text box in which you can also be communicating with me as well. And so, this is, a, uh, this is as we continue on. So, please use Slack. Here we have the passage that gives us the new law for the Christian. The thing that Paul's saying, oh yeah, well, you have to live like this. The thing that we've argued in Slack, saying, well, you got to address these evils and you've got to figure it out. And you're right, no path to a good God leaves evil untouched. So every, every single time we know that we're dealing with the true God of the world, the true God of the universe, God will deal with evil. That's just something that is a reality, that, that this, is, this is part of the hope we have in the divine. This is part of the hope we have in God. But what it's not is it's not the list we were looking for. It's not the list of saying, oh, well, these are the things that you can't do so that you can impress God. You know, and, and we, see, we see that the whole leader, the whole letter, sorry, is, is pushing towards this. That's what, that's what we see. We see what is God doing with the evil. And what's actually happening here is God is doing something. But the important part that we must keep in mind is this is in the context of walk in the Spirit. God is the one who is at work. And so we are constantly trying to do the best we can with what we have. That's the human condition. You know, he... Paul's creating a clear distinction for Christians, and, and it's consistent all along. The normal way you live your life without Christ, before you got involved in church, if you've never been involved in church, the way you live your life is to say that we're constantly trying to do the best we can in all situations. That's what we're trying to do. Our small scope of judgment causes us to judge everything based on our own experience. I experience the entire universe through these small, very focused five senses. Everything comes to me through the center of me. And so it's most natural for me to think that I am the main character in the story. Our small scope kind of makes us say, well, what would benefit me now? What can I get the most out of? How do I protect myself? How do I put me first? Take care of number one. It leads us to stuff like sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry and, junk and drunkenness, and even sorcery. Although, I'd admit that sorcery is quite way off for most of us. But these things come from living life according to what suits me as the main character, as the center of the world. What is, what is beneficial to me? They come from 
as Paul would say, living with the autonomy of the flesh. I'm just going to do what I'm going to do. It, it, he's picking out some of the worst things because some of the other things we do that benefit ourselves is, is we, love, we love our friends and we, and we treat them nicely because that also benefits ourselves and, and builds stuff. And, 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 and we do a lot of things because it works for us. Even our economic system is based on what works for you, what gives you the best advantage. So our flesh is just the way we are. You know, we don't experience all of the list of things just by being ourselves. You know, it's not a guarantee that because I live by the flesh, I'm going to be sexually immoral. No, it's not that. But there's small scopes in which we judge others, for sure. For sure that we start to say, hey, wait a second. Wait a second, you were cheating on that for your benefit. That's not cool, and we'll call it out. We start that as soon as preschool. We start calling out when there's a lack of fairity, of fairness, parity. We, we call that out, and we're like, oh no, that needs to fix, and that's not fair. Or, or we call out injustices, or we call out things that, that don't line. This is, this is without God. We just do that because we judge each other, and we look for what's good for me now. So it all points out that the flesh, you know, or what is, what is, what is going on is is common human experience. So that's, that's the one element. We've got the flesh, which is common human experience, which can lead to this list of things. The next element we have is the law. And the law, as we've already covered, you know, it's already happened in, uh, in earlier in, in Galatians, but we've already covered that the law is meant as a tutor, guiding our actions, of the flesh and imposing impositions or checks against the flesh. It's like, yeah, okay, you could do that, but you can't do this. And the law comes to govern. The law is the part of the normal way we live our life. In other words, living by the law is not equal to, or is equal to living by the flesh. Living by the law and living by the flesh are equal. But the problem is, just like our Canadian laws, law doesn't create the type of action. Law only legislates against certain actions. Take a look at this. In Canada, we have our laws. A speed limit law is meant to create safety on the roads. Yet, all it can do is regulate and says, if you don't, there's consequence. It cannot stop a person from speeding. A posted law cannot stop the person from doing what, work, what they think is best for them. They might be late for a very important job interview, and so they're speeding. The law itself can't stop that. And so this is the, this is the, the whole that Paul is addressing when he's like, you can't ever get to the point where following laws are going to get you to where you want to go, which is the dealing with evil. You're never going to get there because a law doesn't have the power to restrain you. It only has the power to punish you. And so this is really important in the Torah, the purpose of the law was to allow people to, to, to acknowledge that God was present. 
One of a, a, a kind of random Bible verse that, you know, we kind of look at and go, oh, that's kind of weird, is Deuteronomy 23, 12 to 14. It says, you will have a place outside the camp that, and you will go out to it. And you will have a trowel with your tools. And when you sit down, you will dig a hole with it and turn back and cover up your excrement. Because the Lord your God walks in the midst of your camp. So what we have here is the law is being so careful. It's even saying this is how you do your business. Why? Because the entire law is meant to point to God is with you. God is with you. You've got to consider that. In everything you do, God is with you. But the law didn't have the power to be able to make people deal with the evil. They just had the power to know that the evil is there and the ability to punish it. And so what, what do we do? What does a good God do? The law was to, was to make people aware that God was with them. See, there is a new power at work in us. The Spirit of God is now at work in our hearts through faith. This is the difference. It's not about, did I follow the right laws to get God's approval that, that dealt with the evil, that fixed the world? That isn't within our power on our own. The Bible clearly says, walk by the Spirit. The Spirit is at work in our hearts and will lead us to avoid the works of the flesh. The Spirit is at work in our hearts and will lead us to avoid these negative lists of the works of the flesh. It's not because a law is imposed on me. It's because the Almighty God is working in me. Have you ever had a moment where the Almighty God is working in you? Have you ever had a time where you know that God is starting to root out a priority that you've had because it was beneficial to you? And God says, wait, I'm putting something else here. You've had a moment where, where your value systems have shifted, where instead of it being you first, all of a sudden God is saying, no, I know that you really want to take this evening for yourself, but I need you to go and show love to this other person. And yes, it's going to cost you energy, and it's going to cost you of yourself, but I need you to do it. And God creates a desire in you. Walk by the Spirit. You put down that impulse that you had to take the evening to your and just be like, ah, I don't need to do anything. And you walk by the Spirit and you show love and compassion because not because a rule told you, but because the Spirit of God, Almighty, Creator of the universe, is living inside of you, changing your will, changing what's going on. See, it isn't to shore up ex against exclusion oh, well, I better make sure that I live my life right, otherwise God's going to exclude me. No, it isn't that at all. Because this is what we've actually hoped for. Seriously, if you're, if you're a Christian or if you're a non-Christian, 
one of the things that we hope for is that the world can be made right. Do you know how I know that? Because I watch media. I watch TV and I see, I see media pointing out all the areas that there's wrong, that there's injustice, that there's error in our world. We're attracted to it. And so we, we are, we're a people who are saying, we want things to be set right. We don't want there to be racism. We don't want there to be bigotry. We don't want there to be poverty. We don't want there to be war. These things are wrong. When it comes into our smaller neighborhoods, we don't want someone to be a complete meanie for the sake of the children to their neighbors. We want people to actually connect, but we we don't know if we can trust, and so we break down community. God is the one who's making things right. That's his promise. The freedom of Christianity that Christianity offers is not total autonomy so that everybody else could go and do their own thing because that's what we have now. You can pretty much do whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want. Some laws might come and, come and try to, you know, rein you in, but really in our world, we have complete autonomy. You can do what you want, but it hasn't worked for us. What it's done is created distrust. What it's done is actually undermined relationship because I put me first. And the freedom that Christianity is offer, the freedom that Christianity offers is, is that we have access to the God who is making things right. That God has not abandoned us. That God has allowed us to come into his presence. That God becomes somebody who is working inside of you to make you like him that he has come to do the work the spirit of the of god is the answer to the common prayer of the people even outside the church that somebody would come and fix this mess the promise of god is said i have come and i am coming again to make all things right See, if you walk by the Spirit, you're going to be free from the normal drama of your, the dramatic reactions that you have in your life because the things that you would respond to normally that would cause drama, oh my gosh, I can't believe that person's selfishness. Oh my gosh, that person's always like dot, 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 dot. The stuff that leads to the drama is actually you following the flesh saying, hey, you know, like, uh, that didn't work for me. I didn't like that. And you as a person, but the Spirit of God is working differently in you, freeing you from that, saying, I'm doing something much greater. I'm doing something bigger. So the flesh and the way of the Spirit are at odds with each other. The Bible says, for the flesh... For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. The way we normally run with us as the center of the universe is against the way that God runs when we put him at the center of our life. Someone just asked right now, how do I know what is the legitimate prompting of the Holy Spirit and not something we want it to be? Is there not a set of rules that we have to follow to do so? 
And here is the thing. Every single one of us knows when something's wrong. Consider your own heart. Consider your own ways. And, and when, you took, when you look inside yourself, you know that you have not yet arrived. It doesn't take a list of rules for you to say, this is what is wrong with me. Man, we can all do that. We can beat ourselves up like really accurately. And then I can take it outside of myself and I can look at, at the family structures around and I can say, what's wrong with this family structure? And I could look at that and it doesn't take a, a, a mental health book to say, yup, there's stuff going on here. No, we know that intuitively. We know that stuff isn't just right. It doesn't take someone to come down from on high and say, here is the law. It actually takes us to say, there's something not right here. And we know it. We are aware of good and evil. Now, what do I know the prompting of the Holy Spirit is? Is I know that in me, when it comes up, and I get that little still voice in my mind, in my heart saying, something's going to change here. I'll give you a little story on this, and this is a little side, so, but it's really important. A little story on this was, there's nothing in the Bible written about caffeine addiction. It actually doesn't exist. There's really very little going on in, in the Bible about addictions at all, but I used to drink eight cans of Coke a day. And I did that for 13 to 14 years. And it was actually my diet. That was enough calories to get me through my day. I would eat maybe a slice of pizza in the day, but other than that, I would drink Coke. And I was a pastor doing this. I was going on gangbusters. Everything is fine with life. Until one day, literally at a Blue Jays game. There I am sitting in a Blue Jays, in, in, in the field of, or in the, in, the, in the stands of a Blue Jays game, and my oldest daughter is taking a nap um, on, we're, we're baby wearing, and I had a can of Coke. And there was a prodding inside of me that was like, this is the last can of Coke you're going to drink. That's it, you're done. Now, I didn't have to go to a law, I didn't have to go to something else. It was something in my own mind, something that was happening that I believe came from the Spirit of God because it had the power to change my actions. And I was done. I was done. There was nothing more. There was no imposition of law. It was simply God doing something in me. Now, am I a better person for it? Uh, maybe. Maybe. Do people who still drink Coke, are they less superior to me? No. Not at all. But when you walk by the Spirit... A different set of desires come out. And what's really interesting is we look at, we look at the things we've done before we were Christian, just as normal ways of living, and, and even after a Christian, and it's normal to have a fit of rage. Why? Because it feels good. I know yesterday I experienced a fit of rage. I was in a bad mood. And there was something about letting it go that just felt good, but it didn't feel good for the people that were on the other end of it. I had to apologize it's normal for us to be sexually immoral. And I know that's alarming, but it's because when we as people think about what works best for me and what I want, 
in this culture, well, it works best for me. Well, that's terrible. That's not what we want. Wait, there's a conflict going on here. It's normal to seek out sensuality. I want to feel good. These things don't produce what we really want, though. For those things are opposed to each other, back in Scripture, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Paul's saying, I acknowledge that you don't want to live like that because it actually takes away from humanity. And so Paul's saying there is something in you saying you don't even want to do those things. You don't want to do those things. Paul assumes that none of us want evil to perpetuate in the world. That's his assumption. None of us wants evil to perpetuate in the world. Doing things according to the way that they've always been done will perpetuate evil in this world. So, law existed to put pressure on us to stop these things, but it wasn't sufficient. See, it's not that law is all bad. The, the person is, is continuing the conversation saying that I'm sounding like I'm making a circular argument. I know that the thing is wrong because it's wrong. I know the Holy Spirit is doing it because it's the Holy Spirit. Is there a way out of this without relying on some sort of external standard, like a rule? So Paul does address it. Paul has addressed it, and he's saying that the law itself cannot remove evil, but we've already gone through. The law becomes a tutor. Paul says in Romans, he says, I would have not known what covetousness was except for the law told me what it was. So the law serves a purpose to be a tutor, to say this is okay and this isn't okay, but it doesn't have the power to transform us. It doesn't have the power to bring us into the promises of God. It doesn't have the power to change our state of being. It has the power to show us that we were wrong and punish us. Now, the Holy Spirit is different. The Holy Spirit comes in because we put faith in the faithfulness of Jesus. Remember, Galatians 3 we put faith in the faithfulness of Jesus. Holy Spirit comes inside of us and changes us. It's just that, where it's like, yeah, he comes and he does work. He absolutely does work. So Christianity is different. Christianity is about placing all of our hope in Jesus' faithfulness as he removes the evil from the world and from within ourselves. Matthew 25, 31 and 32 says, when the Son of Man comes in all his glory and all the angels are with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne and before him gathered all the nations. And he's going to separate out people one from another as a sheep separates the sheep, or as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. God's Spirit will lead you away from acts of the flesh. He will. This is what happens. As God's Spirit continues to work in you, you will know because it runs in conflict with the way of your flesh. You will know that He is changing something in you, changing your very desires. And when He does it, 
and He works in us. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're no longer under the law. That brings us back to Galatians. If you're led by the Spirit, you're no longer under the law. So this entire series has talked about the work of the Spirit. It's God who works in you to will and to act. It's God who is working in you to transform you. And so God is changing you. And and because God is the one who will deal with evil, He then comes and He says, I'm going to come and dwell inside you like I always promised. And I'm going to start sorting out this evil from the good. I'm going to start changing you and getting rid of the evil and replacing it with the way of the Spirit, which we're going to get into next week. And I'm going to start replacing it and building you up with it and removing the evil from within you so that when I return to finally make all things right, you will be ready. There will no longer be evil in your own heart because God has purified it not a law. God is changing you, and He's including you in His eternal plans if you put faith in the faithfulness of Jesus. So you're not included because you obeyed a bunch of laws from a religious institution. You're included because you put faith in the faithfulness of Jesus. The gospel message exists to say Jesus takes you just as you are, full of the normalcy of your life, and loves you too much to leave you that way. He wants to deal with the evil that is affecting you, and he wants to remove it from you, and he wants to say, come into my kingdom where there is no more of this, where there is reason to trust, where there is true community, where there is true intimacy, where there is true hope. That's what God's calling you into. See, it's really easy for us to look at ourselves and say, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough for God. I can't get there. But here's how the Holy Spirit works. He works one thing at a time. Sometimes he'll work on like mega speed and he'll put two things at a time. And he'll be like, we're going to work on that rage that you've got. We're going to start to rebuild you with a new sense of love. And we're going to get into that next week. There's, there's this element where God's saying one thing at a time. So there are those of us who would prefer to hold on to the fleeting, to the evil, to my right, to, to do what I want, when I want. And there's those of us who will say, okay, God, I'm going to trust you to remove the evil from within me. So today the question is, will you put your faith, will you put your trust in Jesus to complete the work? that he started in you? Will you walk by the Spirit of God? Will you you follow the ways of God, not because an external rule told you, but because God is living inside of you, removing the evil that you don't even want anymore. He's removing it, and he's replacing it with the things of his Spirit. God might take things from your life that you liked, I'll be honest, I enjoyed the cool feeling of a can of, of, a can of cold Coke washing down my throat. I enjoyed that, that feeling. And he took it from me, but it was for the better. See, it's not about giving something up and forcing myself into, into my own forced submission, but it's about letting God do work. So, I encourage you to put your faith in the faithfulness of Jesus. 
to finish what he started in you. God, I just pray for the people in this congregation. I pray for the people who are seeing this for the first time as well that have never joined Promise Church before. God, I pray that the call would be clear that inclusion into your promises isn't about conforming to a certain set of preset standards or religious institution, but it is about putting faith in Jesus' faithfulness. It's about saying, wow, there was this man, God, Jesus, who, who gave up his own self-perspective and, and submitted himself to God Almighty even to death on a cross, and God rose him from the dead. And now, now we are called to put our faith in that because we know that God too will purify us from all evil and will too raise us up from the dead in the end. And we put our faith in Jesus to do the work that the law was powerless to do. God, I pray that people would choose to continue to trust Christ and not trust their own resolve any longer, not trust their own judgment, but to trust Christ and His work that the Holy Spirit would work inside of each one of us and that we would be drawn to be made more into Your image. God, I know that we will, that we will look to join with You, and this is what our flesh this is what we actually want. And so I pray a blessing on the congregation. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and keep you, and have a great week.